0: In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from
1: the Hall of Dogma...
0: you this week by the United States Department of Defense, and of course, Albert Arnold Gore. Welcome in to episode 38 of the Gospel Friends. I am
2: Reverend Verbage. I'm Chase, Captain Crunchy Thompson. I'm Nick, and scared of where this is going.
1: And I'm Emmanuel, and I'm confused. (laughs) Well, so,
0: you know, pulling the curtain back, in order for us to uh, stay ahead of the evil Heretics and religious stuff shirts and various enemies. We're having to record this week's podcast from secret locations scattered around uh, the Hall of Dogma via the internet, which was originally a project by the uh, Department of Defense, but of course we know it was actually created by Al Gore. So, thus, they are the sponsors of this week's episode. Well done.
1: When you put it like that. Yeah. Okay. So.
0: I'm you still guys wondering how the your... tour router comes in, but anyway. How are, you, how are you guys doing at your secret locations?
3: I am in the basement of my house, away from all noise, set up on a ping-pong table, <laughs> uh, and a little cold. I hope you guys are doing better than that. Well, that sounds like that is going to definitely scare off any enemies that
2: come your way. I would hope so. I'm in the office side of our playroom where my desk is two filing cabinets in a hollowed core door, painted black. Emmanuel, save us.
1: I'm in my living room drinking a beverage. Uh, I can't even talk.
0: <laughs> That's the not a good of sign word, for what kind, of beverage. Beverage. kind of beverage you had.
1: <laughs> beverage brewed in Dublin. Oh, <laughs> nice. Oh my. It's, it's, a, it's a tongue twister. Uh,
0: Be- do, you, do you have some guns nearby or something just so it sounds like? I, I
1: always have a gun nearby when I'm at home. So Okay, good.
0: I have a. I, I'm sitting with a, a knife in my hand. So clearly, if yes, anyone is going sure. to attack tonight, it needs to be
3: Chase and Nick because they are ill ill prepared. Like I said, I, I'm I'm looking right now at about a, a wall of four rifles, <laughs> a machete. I'm pretty I'm pretty ready for an attack. I'm just cold.
0: All right. Well, so this is the first out of thirty. Uh, 38 episodes. The first episode that we have recorded, not being in the same room, so this should go swimmingly. Uh, Nick, this would be where I would usually give you signs and indicate what you're supposed to do next, since you typically are asleep. Uh, this would be contact info for you, Nick.
2: Oh, so we're done with our small talk?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, contact cool. Contact info.
2: If people would like to get in touch with us, I this can... is. Wait, wait, Nick.
0: This is your time to shine. This is. This is. I mean, everybody wants to, us to let you talk. <laughs> We're, we're now
2: going to let you talk, so you need to do it right and know when to go. Don't maybe, blow it. Maybe this will get done if you handle it, manual Emanuel, M- how can people get in touch with us?
1: If you would like to get in touch with us.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You just made Chris Leather very, very happy. <laughs> <laughs> so there's two primary ways we – All right, Nick. Thanks for that. Chase, what's on tap for tonight? <laughs> I'm going to punch you in the throat when I see you. I'm sorry. Two primary ways. Hey, hey, David, um, I do have a yeah. unique uh, snapshot of your browsing history that would make a great header image for this episode. I'm not going to say anything I else, agreed. Nick. The rest of the show, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> uh, two main ways we talk to people is Twitter, um, at MyGospelFriends on Twitter. And then there's the Hall of Dogma, our uh, Facebook group. Um, it is a closed group. You can get there by HallOfDogma.com. Uh, it's a short URL for the, the Facebook group, so you don't have to do the URL... Uh, gymnastics there but uh, it's a closed group just ask for entry if you would like to join um we just have that wall up there a little bit just because there are some more uh, personal conversations that occur and we just want to give people some uh
1: discretion there yeah there we go discretion the wall is not to keep you out it's to keep us in (laughs) (laughs) specifically
0: Emmanuel. nice very very nice All right, Nick. Good job, man. Appreciate all yeah. your help. Yeah. Uh,
1: we'll holler at you now. You know you anything are. else? <laughs> so, Chase, uh, what we well, got Y'all, going y'all for are going to stop treating Nick like he's the Holy Spirit to a Calvinist. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> just let him talk in the beginning of the show and then just dismiss him for the rest of your life. No, that's not going to happen today. <laughs> that's about it. That's this about is four a- quotes tonight that Emmanuel
3: has made that are memorable. Well, um, only only one of them that I can say on, on air. Am I still a spinny circle? <laughs> uh, so Emmanuel is
0: uh, is is in his home, comfortable uh, with a uh, adult beverage, and um, it's eleven o'clock at night. So this is probably going to be a, a a memorable episode to have the general on. I imagine with lots of edit points, just for safety's sake. Edit. And we're recording earlier in the week, so Nick will have all week to work his magic. There you go. All right,
3: uh, Chase. Yes. What's on what's on tap for tonight? Okay. So uh, the thing I'm going to talk about is gospel-based parenting. How can we raise our kids in a way that doesn't doom their souls to hell? Well, is that is that dramatic enough for y'all?
0: That is that is dramatic. Yeah, and hopefully a goal of um, parents everywhere. So. We also have a question tonight from uh, on Twitter, our friend Richie Devote. Uh, he, he tweeted in a question to the Gospel Friends a couple weeks ago, and so to show everyone we do listen to the audience, unlike Chase and Nick, who do not listen to me when I talk, um, we're going to answer Richie's question tonight, dealing with Christians and breaking addictions. So, um, all that and more coming up. But first, we're going to open up this very Unique edition of the uh, edition of the Gospel Friends with a little "What were you thinking, guys?" I know that when you think about uh, technology and be- being on the cutting edge of technology, Mexico comes to mind, south of the border, here in the United States. And indeed, they have found was that a shot? No, it was not. They have um, they have found a, a technological marvel. Let me read you the headline from Mexico: "Poo Wi-Fi." a machine that exchanges dog poo for free Wi-Fi. That's right, guys. So um, in uh, Mexico now, uh, a uh, Mexican Internet portal has come up with an invention that might inspire people to do the right thing when it comes to their dogs uh, and walking their animals throughout the city. It's called Poo Wi-Fi, and uh, it is being held as pure genius in Mexico, Uh as uh, people walk through the parks there, they have these little uh, portals set up. I might uh, share my screen so you guys could see some pictures. I know you all like that. Um, people can come by and dump in some dog poo, and it gives them a free Wi-Fi connection um,
3: in exchange for the poo. More poo, more free Wi-Fi. So you have to sit around the poo bin and use the Wi-Fi or what? Well,
0: that that is uh, that is yes, part of it. You would actually need to um, actually, you know, stand near the uh, the Wi-Fi machine in order to be able to you know actually uh, use it. Here's a portal right here. If you guys can see that. That's there's, awesome. Yeah. So there's a guy walking his dog. No, it it says obviously um, that. Uh, oh my gosh! That machine offers the free Wi Wi Fi connection in exchange for dog poo. So the larger the dog you have, the more minutes of free Wi Fi that you can get. It actually weighs the poo. That's how it. That, that's how it decides how much free Wi Fi you're going to get.
1: My dog would be gold in Mexico. i will just say that. <laughs> So if you have a master, you can get a lot of
0: Wi-Fi. So now um, some of you guys, you might be thinking that there would be a way around this. Maybe people could just walk up there and throw rocks or something into the machine and trick it. But um, you wouldn't be so lucky. There's actually a hostess that uh, goes along with each Wi-Fi portal, and, and that hostess stands and hands out plastic bags to the pet owners and also keeps an eye on what goes in the machine. Uh, just to make sure that it's only poo that's going in.
3: What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a poo Wi-Fi hostess. That's my dream. Yeah. Now, uh,
0: this the guy that wrote the article said. Um, there's a video that goes along with it, and so in the video, which we can't see, but in the video, there's a guy part of the advertisement for the poo Wi-Fi. He he. He realizes that he needs to send a quick email, <laughs> and so he walks up to the machine and he starts massaging his dog's belly, <laughs> oh, <laughs> hoping to get him to go, so that he can uh, he can he can send send a quick email. I got to ask a question: Do they do they not have internet cafes in Mexico? I mean, because around here you just you hit a coffee bar or something and 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 pick up some free Wi Fi. Or McDonald's, um, Chick-fil-A. may not be a lot of Chick-fil-A's in Mexico. I don't
2: know. It is a good way to make sure people don't just, you know, kind of park themselves there all day. An issue you have in the coffee joints and McDonald's.
0: That's true. You definitely would not want
2: to park yourself all day
0: at the the poo machine, poo Wi-Fi.
1: Is that the official name, Pooh Wi-Fi?
0: Uh, yes. Is that what you call it? Oh, no. Yes, that is actually the uh, the official name, Poo Wi-Fi. The uh, internet, internet uh, company is Terra. So, uh, but anyway, maybe that will catch on here in the U.S. pretty soon, and Chase can make a uh, killing saving money on his AT&T bill. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Let me give you guys one more tonight from uh, Rhode Island, uh, Chase. Let me ask you a question: If you were um, if you were at the uh, nursing home in Rhode Island, uh, I imagine which you, I often am. I imagine you would want to. No, I mean you're actually there. Like maybe your family has put you there, and um, and so who who I guess you'd want your family to come visit you. But who would be the last person that you would want to come visit you in the uh, nursing home in Rhode Island? Bill Clinton. That Bill Clinton is is a good guess, but actually, if you were at the Steerhouse Nursing and Rehabilitation Center in Rhode Island, the last person that you would want to visit you is Oscar the Cat. Rhode Island Oscar the nursing home cat can, sense, cat can sense death coming. Oh my! Yeah. Now, just to show you guys how weird cats are, because I used to hate on cats from a distance, but now I own a cat and yeah. I have. I have made clear to you guys how weird this cat is. You own a pre owned cat. <laughs> I own a stolen cat. cat. Dude, that cat was <laughs> abandoned Grand cat. Grand feline.
3: <laughs> he was just Tidal? he was just
0: wandering around the camping.
3: <laughs> the camping. Speaking of that cat, we have some questions about the young Asian man that's been in your family of
1: late. <laughs> well, uh, where, where did he come from? Yeah. Wow. Well, we well, heard look, the word adoption thrown around, but we
0: we, we adopted sure. Jack, and then we had to feed him, so we we got a cat. But well, anyway. I don't know
1: what you- We don't know what your verbs mean. Adopted, found. I found a car
0: just down the street earlier today. It's It's
1: awesome. (laughs) He who finds a wife finds a good thing.
3: How did you get married, David?
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get back to Oscar. Oscar the cat from Steerhouse Nursing and Rehabilitation Center can, um, can actually smell death coming. In over 50 documented cases, Oscar has curled up beside patients in their final hours, seeing them to the other side. Now, here's the thing about the cat that is kind of interesting. Um, Oscar roams the halls of the nursing home daily, and he paces from room to room, and he never spends any time with patients who turn out to have more time to survive. Instead, he picks Hmm. out certain patients, cuddles up next to them, and often within just a few hours – they pass away, so let me I, I, yeah you know, I, I found this interesting because um, you know you know death is not funny, and being in a nursing home, but if I was in the nursing home and I saw Oscar coming i th- I think that I would have to to do all I could to to make sure Oscar met some type of a demise as he tried to curl up next to me. Maybe Can we
1: know for a fact
0: that Oscar is not killing these people <laughs> see that's my fault. maybe Oscar is actually causing the demise yeah uh, so th- th- they've actually said that they will um if they try to keep him out of the room of a dying patient, he will scratch at the door trying to get in
1: oh that's creepy see yeah. this this is an old story i mean i, I he's been doing this for for Two yep. three years, I, I've I've heard the story before. So he's, I mean he's, uh, yeah. he's a he's a legend. This <laughs> this
0: particular story dates back to 2014, but um, I mean look, 50 yeah, 50 documented cases. I mean that that's got to go back for a while. Um, they uh, in one case um, they put Oscar on the bed of a patient they thought might be close to death, but he ran out of the room and went to sit with another patient and. Turns out that uh the second patient's the one who died first, so I'm telling you guys did anybody ever own a cat in this group yes was your no
3: cat, was your cat creepy chase no, you remember she used to live at the church this she really yeah,
0: I don't remember you having a cat that lived at I remember
3: you having a dog that lived at the church. Yeah, he always pooped in the church parking lot, but the cat was much, uh, much more behaved.
0: Hey, no, that this is a true story. So Chase, Chase's dog, Chase's dog would come down from their house, and he would do his business in the parking lot of the church. That's and true. It, and every Sunday morning, and it, it was like he would do it. Like Chase would say he would check on Saturdays, and there would be no. No, no landmines. But you would pull up on Sunday, and every morning you get out of your car and you would look, and there would be, uh, there would be a couple of, uh, couple of, uh, well, you know what would work in Mexico as uh, free internet time,
3: uh, just laid there in clumps
0: all out the parking lot.
3: Yep, steaming and fresh, and uh, surrounded by what seven eight acres of woods, and, and she chose to to do it in the parking lot.
0: So everybody at the Hall of Dogma Church getting out of the car. It was often heard. Hey, watch out! Watch yeah. out! Watch out for the dog poo as you try to make your way in. Wow. Hey, speak,
3: speaking of my dog, I have an awesome story to share with you guys. Something that happened a couple of months ago. So anyway, I hope um, you guys another another, another dog.
0: <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed. What were you thinking? Um, watch out for uh, Oscar the cat. And um, hey, if you're in Mexico, take your dog with you. Just you know, in case you need to send an email or something. <laughs> That's awesome. Nick, you okay, man? Uh, It's
2: not safe for me to speak. Oh, he's there. Okay. We're just checking. (laughs) Well, I hung up on you for a second when you were talking about Oscar, and I had to reconnect the call. Okay.
0: Well, it's uh, showing us a really old picture of you right now, so that's why we were just kind of curious what happened.
3: Which one? You're holding Maggie. She looks like she's about three. Oh,
0: my. Yeah. So...
3: All right, guys. Time to move into something a little bit more serious than uh, poo Wi-Fi. Hey, next That's back. great. Yep. I wish I had a a great transition for this from Pooh Wi-Fi into a Charlie Spurgeon quote, but I don't. So, well, just can you kind of jarringly hit it. Can you do anything with the cat that curls up next to people that are about to die? Um, you know what? People who are about to die need more than anything.
0: Nox they the need.
3: No, but they need the gospel. And Charles Spurgeon was a great preacher of the gospel. And I want to hit you guys with a a quote that Spurgeon said many years ago um, before Oscar the cat curled up next to him and he passed on into eternity. Nice callback. Thank you. He said, I do not see why the same gospel – oh, oh, here – I will say this. The, The title of the sermon this is from is Withholding Corn." which uh, I think in the last hundred or so years, we've gotten a lot better at sermon titles.
0: Wait, withholding corn?
3: Withholding corn, yes. Preached July 30th, 1865. Hey, can I make a poo Wi-Fi joke real quick, or nope. is it too late? <laughs> I was wondering if that title <laughs> might lead to that place. I was afraid of that. I should have just stopped. But okay, I, I,
0: will, I, I will be
3: quiet. Go ahead. Okay, right. here's, the, here's the serious quote, if you can hear it. He said, I'm afraid that many Sunday school addresses have no gospel in them. I do not see why the same gospel should not be preached to children as to grown-up people. I think it should. To stand up in a Sunday school and say, now be good boys and girls and God will love you is telling lies. I know the teachers of our school feel the importance of delivering the truth as it is in Jesus to their children. And you therefore have to tell them, You are lost and ruined, and your salvation is in Jesus Christ. Look to him and live. Guys, I think we were all raised, at least I can speak for myself, and, and maybe you guys were too. We were raised by parents that were a little bit more focused on moralism and behavior and doing good to make God happy then they were focused on the gospel. In fact, I was raised in a Christian home, and I can I I barely remember my parents ever talking about the good news. But all of the time, they talked about doing good and making God happy with me. And so I, I I believe they were they were Christians. We went to a good church. In fact, we went to a good Presbyterian church that did talk about the gospel from time to time. But parenting wise, I don't know that I ever heard it. How can we raise children in this day and age, teach them right and wrong, sure, but how can we as parents and as leaders in the church raise kids with a gospel foundation rather than a foundation in moralism?
0: Well, apparently none of us
1: know. (laughs) Okay, well, I got another question. This that was a, about the problem of evil. <laughs> that was, it was, I don't have any. I don't have any kids, so I was letting you guys. You
2: know, this is that fun point where if we were in the same room, one of us would have done the head nod to the other, and we would have known who's talking. So, good yeah, time. but since we we couldn't do that, all right. So,
0: I, you know, I definitely think that um, that uh, you know, uh, you know, being raised in, in my house, of course, we did, you know. Uh, I got I got money for for good grades. Um and uh you know, we did you know, Santa in our home and, and things like that, which was uh, a little bit based on uh you know of course being a being a good boy and, and, and you get rewarded. Uh make good grades and, and you get you get, you know, money for A's, um, things like that. And um you know, so I think there was uh there was definitely a um you know a sense of um, doing good and being rewarded for doing good. I, I don't really know that that I would. I mean, I always kind of felt like with my um, with my parents. I mean, I, I felt loved regardless of whether or not you know I did the right thing or the wrong thing. I don't ever remember as a kid doubting that my parents that my parents loved me. But I definitely think there was a sense of you know do the right things and get rewarded. Now I, I don't know though that the Bible doesn't present that I mean you know I think that there are there are promises of God in the Bible that are um, conditional so you do these right things and then and there are certain promises of God that that you know will come and then there's certainly promises of discipline uh, for doing wrong things so that I, I kind of I kind of equate that um, I kind of equate those two things together in terms of you know there is some scripture about behavior um, and and receiving the correct um, due for that behavior um, so you know my my first question is 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 how do we wade through the difference there I mean I understand what Spurgeon is saying but uh, you know unless we're talking about kind of taking away that that mindset of um, your behavior can bring reward or punishment, or reward or discipline. You know, how do we wade through that versus, you know, teaching our children that, um, you know, that what Christianity is all about is turning us into good people? Because I don't think any of us think that that's what
1: the message of the gospel is. I hope not, because if, if that's the case, it hadn't worked with, well with men <laughs> been a Christian a long time, I'm still not a good person.
3: Well, my my fear is, as as church people, that, uh, and especially, you know, all of us work in the ministry in some form or uh, capacity, Um, and three of us are are parents with kids growing up in the context of ministry, and and you always hear these terrible stories about pastor's kids and, and such, and obviously we want to balance right and wrong, you know, teaching them right and wrong. We want to point them towards the holiness of God and doing good and and such. But I I think obviously pastors have failed significantly in the past to where there's a stereotype of pastor's kids, of ministry kids that are just buck wild uh, and really struggle. Now, I've never done any kind of study to know if that's true or not. But but David, I'm gonna throw the question back to you, or Nick, or Emmanuel, either one of you guys. Um, how do we balance teaching, doing the right things, upholding holiness, and yet not pointing to that as the source of salvation?
2: Uh, you know, I, I'm struggling with my. You know, it's I've got three three children, and we have a foster child living with us now, and it's. It's been an interesting dynamic um, of the four we've got a ten, a seven, a five and a, a four year old in the house and you know trying to correct behavior and preach the gospel seems like an impossible balance because you know with my son we he's just he's a five year old boy full of energy and it's you know um, if if we wanted to go down the road, we could probably get him labeled. ADHD and, and all this other stuff And you know At the end of the day we have to teach him That he is in control of his actions um, But you know I, I don't necessarily do a one to one Tie in him coming home from um, School with you know On the red light or yellow light With his eternal fate Does that make sense? Um, and I'm not trying to minimize The gospel because we, we do talk about You know his life in light of the gospel. We talk about the Lord and and sin and those types of things, but I I don't necessarily draw a one to one comparison to those. Does that make sense?
0: Well, yeah, and I mean, I think that's I think that's you know here I think is the question is how do we raise our kids in such a way that they don't think that the point of Christianity is to make them into a good person or that you know that God loves them if they do the right things and you know we. I think, at least in part of it, to me is you know what I want my kids to understand is that you know I sometimes when I'm preaching I'll use the analogy that you know I, I am never displeased with my son I, I, I'm 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 not I'm never displeased with him he's my son I love him I am pleased with him simply because he is my son I, I'm proud of him because he's my son I tell him that a lot so when he's going to bed at night. You know, I'll, I'll say goodnight, buddy, and then I'll I'll say I'm proud of you. And he always, almost every time that I I say that, he'll say, why? You know, like what I do or why? And and and, and my response is just because you're, you're my son. I'm proud of you because you're my son. And I say that because I mean I want him to know that I am pleased with him and that that nothing changes that. But there are times where I'm displeased with his actions. There are times where he does things. That his actions are displeasing to me, so uh, breaking a rule in the house or, or doing something that that he isn't supposed to do, and so one of the things that I I, I kind of set out to do is try to explain that there is a difference, you know, at least to show that, um, and 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 the way I try to do that is not necessarily a lesson, but just I try to take a lot of opportunities to make sure he knows I love him, I, I he he doesn't have to. Do all the right things for me to be pleased with him. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of like with with having daughters. I, I try to tell my daughters, you know, you're, you're you're beautiful, you know, and and I try to say that not when they get dressed up for church. I mean, just at any time in the day, because I don't want them thinking, you know, well, I'm I'm beautiful, or uh, you know, my dad is pleased with me, you know, when I when i dress up or when i you know do the right things again i want them to know that all the time and then hopefully when i explain displeasure of their actions they they are able to separate those two well, my dad loves me dad is pleased with me but there are things that I, I i shouldn't do and um and you know try to separate those things out because the opposite of that would be that it's it's your it's your actions that 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 cause your parents to enjoy you or be pleased with you, and I don't think that's I don't think that's the message of the gospel, or the message that we want to um, that we want to
1: communicate. Agree. I, I was I was fortunate enough to um, be raised in a home where my mom was scarred by the whole Santa Claus thing. Cause she thought that you know if she was good she was going to get something if she's so she like was paranoid the whole year wondering if she was good enough to get stuff and then she was in a legalistic church and so she, she did everything she could to raise us not like that so I mean she would do stuff she would give us things like in rewards after we did something wrong. And we're like, why are we getting you know a treat? And she's like, because treats are not based on rewards. It's not. It's not based. It's not a reward for your behavior. I wow. just, I'm doing it because I just because I want to. <laughs> um, and then we do good, You know, we might do something good and, and get nothing. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like every little thing you do. Wait, this isn't that, how this supposed to work. <laughs> to that, see yeah, positive, you're going to get something for it. Like, no, you do the right thing because it's the right thing, not because you're going to get a reward. Um, all the time, and so she really separated. Uh, she, she didn't. Have, she didn't make us have that black and white paradigm of if you do bad, you get bad, and if you do good, you you know you get this. Um, but also, you know, like David was talking about, you separate, you separate gifts from and punishment from the relationship. Like those things have nothing to do with the relationship. You know, I punish you because. Um, because I'm trying to train you for a life, but it doesn't change the way I feel about you and I reward, you know, I may reward you because I just want to do something nice for you, uh, because I want to show show you my love for you, but it's not, you know, I'm not rewarding you for doing stuff you should already do anyway, you know, um, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, but it's really just trying to make sure that they understand that it's not just that black and white, because what happens is that I've got a have got a cousin who's he's about to be 40 years old and he still has this kind of paradigm in his head that if I do good, I'm supposed to get something. And if I do bad, I'm not, I'm, I'm supposed to, you know. And so he, when he does something and, and then he doesn't get recognition for it, you know, he's like upset. And it's like the real world doesn't really work like that. You know? Um, you know, David asked the question, why, why do the, the wicked prosper? You know, sometimes bad people get good things and sometimes good people suffer. And I guess if you show them that there's a, a continuum of <laughs> of what happens in life, it's not just do this, get this, do this, get this punishment, you know, Um
0: do, do you not think – let me ask you this. Do you, you, going back to what I was saying earlier, do you not think that biblically there is a um, – there, there, there are pictures of the right behaviors bring rewards and wrong yeah, behavior but brings just, discipline?
1: But, but they're usually like heavenly rewards. Um, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I mean I the Pharisees had right behavior. What they get?
0: <laughs> I'm not saying apart from the gospel, but I'm saying for Christians, there appears to be this time of, you know, at the judgment seat of Christ, for instance, that there this this time of reviewing life and deeds done in the
1: body, and yeah, but that's not an, that's not a, that's not, a, that's not immediate gratification though. That's stuff you got to wait for.
4: Uh,
1: I mean, it's, it's not like. Um, and that and that's 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 the problem. That's the whole problem with the prosperity gospel, right? If you if you give this amount of money, then you're going to get blessed with this amount of whatever, which never happens. So I don't say never, but it doesn't happen as much as they say it is. Happens for them, <laughs> you know. It's because God doesn't work that way. Um, he blesses, you know. It's, it, it the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Um, he blesses sinful pe- people. Hence Jesus. Um, because if if he gave us what was you know what we deserved based on behavior, then we'd be in hell. You know, we everybody go to everybody's going to hell. You know what I'm saying? And uh, spoken my like, wife, kno- spoken like a true Calvinist. My wife knows <laughs> that deserve is it's one of those words I just cannot stand. And it's like no, we don't. Nobody deserves anything. You know, um, except hell. Everything else is grace. You know.
0: What's well, so and i so so but here's so the gospel is none of us deserve anything what you what you say you, you don't want what you deserve you don't want what's fair um we're we're all on a road to to hell we are saved by grace through faith and i think all of us agree the gospel is that that christ took our sin and our um The punishment for that sin, and in turn, we have been granted His righteousness, and and we're not granted that because of our um, because of anything good in us, not because of our behavior. It was it was a a free gift, Um, and and so uh, you know that that's that's my presentation of, of. of the gospel there, but it, sometimes it feels like people at that point just say, "Look, it's you know, like grace. Okay, grace is grace covers everything, which it does. I agree with that. But it's almost like grace covers it, so there's nothing for you to do. But I think there's just a, a portion of the New Testament that in it explains, okay, out of that grace, not to earn it, but out of it, should come
1: right fruit. Yeah, but and, that's
0: generated by the Holy Spirit but, and
1: but, and certain that, behavior. But that comes out of the relationship, not out of the promise of what you're going to get. And see, that's the difference, you know. I mean, I, I, I treat my wife well because I love my wife, not because I think I'm going to get anything. I, obviously, I'm a married man. I'm not going to get anything for treating my wife well. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not based on you know performance. It's it's kind of like I can remember being in trouble as a kid and my friends playing outside, and I'm grounded, and then my mom saying. Yeah, I'm gonna give you. Uh...
2: Actually, uh, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Yeah. Oh, and he froze. He froze too.
3: I'll, I'll say this. That was. Uh, that
0: was uh, he'll come back in.
3: He'll call back in.
0: I was gonna make a sovereignty joke. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey,
1: we, we, saw, not, we sound like a
2: circle we,
1: now. We sound like a real radio station. Yeah, show I think now, you're losing callers back. and everything. And uh, I'm back. Yeah. And you so know, she'd it. do that. So sometimes I'd get something for no reason, um, when, when I didn't deserve anything. And some, you know. And so I, like I said, I think it's just about sh- showing your kids that it's not always a one-to-one correlation between behavior and what you and what you uh, are rewarded with, um, and just letting them know what's the difference between grace and mercy. So last week, no, two weeks ago. My students turned in their first paper and they were horrible. They were just not good papers. <laughs> and I gave everybody an A and I said, look, this, this, these papers that I graded, I, it was all about grace. You know, I, I, cause y'all don't, y'all don't, you know, I'm new to this. Y'all don't know what I what I'm expecting. So this is grace. You know, there are very few people who deserved A's. I said, but the next paper is going to be truth.
4: and you're gonna
1: you're gonna get exactly what you deserve on the paper and they were shocked when they got papers back today they were like you know the truth shocked them but they understood that you know okay it's not just gonna be all grace all the time it's not gonna be and there'll be some gray area as well um i think if you explain to kids that (laughs) they'll understand it that it's not based on my performance um, which actually frees them up to perform well. Yeah. Yeah, well, that sounds very Tim Kellerian.
3: He, Keller explains the gospel this way he says moralism is essentially the belief that we do good. God is happy with us, and, and therefore he saves us. And he says the gospel, on the other hand, is God saves us by his grace, and therefore we do good, we behave right, we become holy through gratitude and the power of the gospel. It's it's a fine line of difference, but it's you know maybe the most important fine line there is. I do think, though, that there is a sense – you know, and
0: again, this is this maybe this is me, but I think there's a sense where a Christian can, like, a Christian can displease God. Well, absolutely, because uh, Galatians talks about. I think it's Galatians talks about yeah, walking, I by, that. walking by the Spirit, so you could discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And so, I, I think kind of the, you know, is is God eternally pleased with us because He's eternally pleased with with Jesus? I would say yes. In that salvation relationship sense, but I do think we can please or displease Him with actions, um, uh, and 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 not just that He's always pleased with us all the time. Simply yeah, because of the re- simply because of the relationship.
1: Well, it's it's not that He's it's not that the relationship means that you're pleased all the time. It's just the fact that that the. Re- People are not worried about the, the punishment. That people are worried about is the termination of the relationship. Usually, mm, yeah. it's it's not necessarily about I'm gonna. You know, you know, your son will be more disappointed. There was a time when I was a kid when I realized I could just do whatever I want to do and take the whipping. You know, I'm just going to take the whip because I had a high pain threshold and my parents realized, like, he's just doing what he wants to do because he's going to just take the punishment because the punishment wasn't enough to keep to keep my behavior in check. But what was enough was them being disappointed in me and me letting them down, you know. Um, And so I think I think you have to the relational component is what what changes behavior is what I'm saying. Not, I, I, the, threat, yeah. not the threat of punishment. Well, that, or, the, or, or the threat <laughs> of reward, although it looks that way at first. Um, reward will change behavior, but not the way you want it to. Okay. Raise, mm-hmm. Is the word
2: provision system. reasonable here? Because with the Lord, I think more of the word determines provision than maybe reward on this side of heaven. Um, You know, obviously, we were talking about you know the judgment seat and things like
1: that, eternal rewards.
2: On this side of heaven, though, I think more in terms of provision rather
1: than reward. Well, I'd I'd say blessing instead of reward, I guess. Okay. Um. So, I mean, I do believe God blesses people here, and you know, there's times I know God has blessed me when I didn't. You know, I could have been. Yeah. See, and I
2: I use the term God provided there, so yeah, I think.
1: Yeah, uh,
2: I mean, I I definitely
0: think we're all hitting on on an agreement, a spot of agreement about the relationship, and I think that that's you know I, I have and Emmanuel, you do a lot of counseling. Uh, I know Chase and, and Nick, you guys do as well. But you know, from a pastoral perspective, I've talked to many people who will say, you know, I never really heard, you know, I never really always thought my dad loved me, but I never really heard him say that. Or, you know, you'll have maybe a, a, a lady who will say, you know, I, uh, and then my dad really never had much nice to say to me. Like most of their conversation was their dad telling them when they had done something wrong. Um, and, and so they never felt like they measured up, maybe like you were talking about earlier, Emmanuel. And so that aspect of raising kids um, so, God is eternally pleased with us relationally because of grace and our, our, our faith in Christ. Um, well, by grace through our faith in Christ. So, He's eternally ple- pleased with us relationally. And, um, and then, you know, that is not, we're saying, is not altered by behavior. And and so if if that's the case, then with our kids, that is an important aspect: is that our children know we love them, we're pleased with them. They do, you know, they don't have to do something to measure up to earn our relationship or earn our love. They need to know that 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 is just there. Are we all? Are we all kind exactly. of saying that same thing?
1: Yeah, this security is what it yeah. is. So the question
0: that i have then comes from because I, I do and maybe it's my interpretation of the judgment seat of christ there are some people who talk about the judgment seat being um a you know essentially a weighing out of your works in a in a james capacity so your works will prove Salvation, so to speak, not that your works earned it, but that your works would prove it out. But I, I've always read the judgment seat, and still, my interpretation of it is that there is a um, a rewarding for deeds done in the body, as well as a loss. Um, and I've always kind of taken the loss literally, just to to watch your life work or your, the works of your life kind of go up because they were worthless, and then that person is saved. But just like one through fire, I think the passage says, and it actually it actually talks about knowing the fear of the Lord. You know, we go out and do these things, talking about the the gospel of reconciliation, or the, excuse me, the message of reconciliation. There just seems to be, to me, even in the Old Testament, of course, it's really. There in the Old Testament, I read it this morning, where it talks about you know, God would set his fear down among his people to keep them from sin. I just think there still is this presentation in the New Testament to me of that there's going to be this time where you're going to stand before Christ, and and you're going to give an account for all the deeds done in the body, and that there appears to be this reward and loss based on those deeds. Yeah, Um, I
1: believe that. I just don't think it works with you. (laughs) So go go to… Your son say, "Hey, if you're really good, in 2045, I'm gonna get you something nice." <laughs> you know, yeah, we don't, reward we don't, is,
0: we don't really do it that way.
1: <laughs> I agree. Future reward is not the same as a, an immediate reward. You we know what don't. I'm okay,
0: so like it, for me with the kids, instant gratification is, "Hey, look, be still for the next 60 seconds, and I'll give you this." Um, we, we, you know, but but there is some things you can that get we pull off
2: 60 seconds.
0: Well, yeah. but there is things that we will do, like in terms of. Now, listen. If you if you make it through the whole week doing this, or if you make it through the whole week doing this, you know, there's this. We're we're going out for blizzards on Friday night. so there is sometimes more of a. You know, it's it's definitely not 45 years yeah, yeah. or whatever, but there is a little bit more longer term. But my, my point to all of that is I don't, I don't know, and maybe Chase, you you, you weigh in too, but. You know, I don't know that every presentation of possible reward for right behavior is
3: moralistic. Is, is no, what,
0: what
3: no. no, I think we would all agree with that pattern. I mean, yeah, it, it just I think I think we're we're trying to balance or. or Mm -hmm. Or or correct the the overcorrection towards behavioralism and moralism in parenting children. You know, you talk about the judgment seat of Christ. It's very clear. Paul says it, I think, twice, maybe more than twice, that all people will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I mean, you got it in 2 Corinthians 5, which you just quoted, and Romans 14. We will stand there. You know, all people will stand there, and there will be reward for what we did, good or bad. Um, but I think Emmanuel's kind of barking up the right tree there that, uh, you know, that that's not necessarily – you don't necessarily tell the kids that you're going to be rewarded for doing good, you know, in eternity. Um, I just think the foundation has to be the gospel and then holiness and training and righteousness and rules and obeying and I believe all of those things come built on that foundation. The foundation is Christ and what he's done. The behavior, the 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 parenting, the discipleship comes on that
1: foundation. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And Even I th- and the I rewards. Think, yeah, and I think that what you're talking about is explaining it. So telling kids, you know, telling your kids, you know, well, I'm going to give you grace on this because Jesus, you know has given us, you know, God has given us grace in Jesus Christ and explaining what it is, and I think they'll understand it. Um, So, you know what I'm saying? Like, make it explicit. And I'm not not saying every little thing you do, say, well, this is grace, this is mercy, this is justice. (laughs) (laughs) But but take time out to, you know, to let them know. I I
0: definitely think that you guys are are talking about you know, we're focused on the relationship. I, I, Emmanuel, you said earlier um, one of your pet peeves. You said this pre-show. One of your pet peeves was, I guess, moralism. Maybe. Uh, what did What did you mean by that?
1: Well, not necessarily moralism, but just the people who who <laughs> who raise their kids that way because they they turn out to be narcissists, uh, or they turn out to be, you know, just miserable which actually is good for counseling business so but (laughs) nice it's the 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 idea that you have to give a kid something like you're talking about hey if you're good all week we'll go get blizzards how about you be good because i said so you know (laughs) that that's how i was raised but you didn't get stuff for doing what you were supposed to do most of the time you know, so sometimes I get good grades and, I'd, and they'd give me some money and sometimes I get good grades and I wouldn't get anything. It was like if we want to reward you, we will. But don't expect a reward every time. Um, just do what we say. Um, just because we told you to is just because it's the right thing to do. Uh, now I'm not against rewarding kids, um, but like said, it, it's better if you it basically is better if you, if you if they don't know what's coming. How about that?
0: I'm with you. Look, I promise you, in my house,
1: it gets said a lot, just because I said. Yeah. Uh, well, you got so many kids, you can't reward everybody at the same time, anyway.
0: <laughs> no, we don't. I, I, I just, and, uh, and I, I, th- I do think, you know, yeah. Wrapping when you said up, go get some
2: blizzards, he meant him and Allison for not killing it, the children, not yeah. the kids getting them. I, exactly. I do think.
0: Um, I do think, like wrapping it up, Chase. I want I want to end by throwing to you what would be. Um. What would be a uh, how how what, what's a warning sign? What what's some warnings that we may be um, trying to raise uh, through moralism and not the gospel? But as as I get ready to do that, I uh, I do think that relationship is the foundation. I I was simply saying that um, there's a place for um you know there's a there's a place for i think fear you know i think there's a there's a there's a good healthy fear of the lord i think there's a good healthy fear of mom and dad and um and i think sometimes a, a reward plays in but if a parent is if a parent is trying to to get their children to behave based on reward like a santa type situation i, I definitely think that is that's, exactly that's parenting that's not it's it's not probably going to bear much fruit um like you said Amanda, when they get older they're they're always looking for the reward uh for you know i, I do this i get something good because that's what they've always been taught chase what's a warning sign about um, moralism as in parenting
3: well, I tell you what I, maybe i'll do do a better one than that i'll give you a barometer i'll give you a test to to know whether or not. Maybe your, your parenthood is over-focused on moralism and under-focused on the gospel. How about this? Very simply, sit down with your kids and just ask them, what is the good news? What is the gospel? What saves us? Mm-hmm. And listen to their answer because the majority of their answer is going to have come from you as the parent, mom and dad, at least hopefully so. And if their answer is very much behavioral-focused, is very much right and wrong— then you know you have a lot of work, I guess, to do in the communication of grace and the gospel. And I'm not saying that, that they need to be able to parrot back uh, a, a pat, theologically approved answer. I'm saying you should be able to discern by their answer whether they are more gospel understanding or whether their understanding of how to please God is based in what they do. And so just simply this, ask your kids in a very casual way what their understanding of the gospel is.
4: All right.
3: And and as we transition, I want to recommend a great article that Stephen Altrogi wrote this week in The Blazing Center. He talks about how a solid worldview won't save my kids. And I'll give you a little quote, and then we'll go to talk about Mrs. McConnell. Uh, He says, the reality (laughs) is the mind can only stand against the affections for so long before it gives out. If my kids are going to stand against the allure of sexual impurity, I can't simply tell them about all the negative consequences of premarital sex. Mm -hmm. I need to also dazzle them with the all-satisfying beauty of Christ. If my kids are going to stand against materialism, I can't simply tell them that money is the root of all evil. I need to also show them that Christ is the pearl of great price. Good word. Yeah, I agree. Chase always coming with the solid quotes. <laughs>
0: that
1: could have saved us right. a lot of time if from, you're uh, led with that, Chase. From unknown blogs.
0: That's, yeah. Chase is the master of finding the gems like that. Oh. All right, guys. What's uh, – Nick, we're going to you, I am told, so we can discuss my mom. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> She is a complex lady, lovely but complex, so this should be a good segment.
2: I am really trying to figure out how I'm going to edit this, and there is not enough ram available in the brain. Um, (laughs)
0: Among all of us, your mom jokes, if they're offensive or not, they are rampant.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what I'd actually when, – when, when you read your mom, what you should have seen is Hall Monitor, David.
0: Monitor. Yeah, okay. Hall Monitor. Hall Monitor. I'm not
2: sure how the internet's uh, mistranslated that for you. Um, With special guest, the general – Yes, absolutely. Well, look, there's there are two people that whenever you know we talked about this when um one of the gentlemen were on but you think Hall of Dogman you think two different people. Um one of them is none other than the general and um and none other than the other would be uh one the director and um and I, I don't have a good way to post this but uh it popped up on my um uh, feed. I guess it was yesterday at some point cuz um I really wish he would have muted himself before he left. Uh, <laughs> so for so, those who can't see so, our video, Chase just said BRB, uh, Internet for Be Right <laughs> Back, and did not mute, and I now hear myself through his speaker. So, uh, uh, Which will also be on the recording. Yeah, It's going to be great. Uh, hey, good job, Chase. Way to ruin Podcast of the Year award for us. God. Uh, Jeremiah Martin posted a picture of his uh, iPhone notification screen that were was four or five uh, Tony Vance posted in the Hall of Dogma 42 48 59 minutes ago one hour one hour ago it's all he had to say was good grief Tony and uh, for better or worse much love to the director but there are days I'm going what do you guys do for a living and as you're work hiring so look i i
0: feel look, tony i i i'm with you buddy because i i constantly at the hall of dogma church walk around with a kick me sign on my back that's how i feel all the time and so i i, I feel like that tony's tony's getting that right now in the in the uh in the hall of dogma on facebook I, I think you should keep posting buddy as a matter of fact i think you should double
2: your post i don't think anybody said he shouldn't post
0: i think you should double them
2: Okay,
0: <coughs> seventy-two in an hour. You can do it.
2: <laughs> oh boy! Uh, <laughs> another. Um, now I'm waiting for my internet to work quicker. Hey, um, Chase is back. Uh, I've got to also, and this actually just came through this evening uh, before we recorded. But in the uh, in the very humbling uh, free Nick campaign, uh, my good buddy Kevin Small um, re. Rewrote uh, the classic Freebird Bird," uh, and uh, with the lyrics "Free Nick," and so um, that was the free an interesting read. Uh, <laughs> free Nick is free Nick is like Occupy Wall Street. We
0: just got to wait. We just got to wait it out. It'll it'll go away.
2: It'll it'll
3: eventually fade.
2: It'll it'll fade. Keep it up, um, <laughs> David. This is this is what I. Um, one of Tony Vance's posts, actually, I think is very applicable to be, to you. Uh, yeah. It is a t-shirt. All I need today is a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, I'm already thinking that about tomorrow morning. Thank God I, I want mine, a mine. programmable coffee pot.
0: I wouldn't mind to say a whole lot of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus, but that's probably not re- very religious. It, it's no, not. it's not. Good heavens. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> hey,
2: look, I can hear Chase and not myself.
0: Um, well, he's back. And- he is back.
3: Hey, to be fair, we do like a four-hour show. I mean, from time to time, you have to take care of things. Just get up and go to the restroom in the middle of the show. It's fine. Four
1: hours.
2: So, I- and the, the thing I'm going to throw out for a little bit of discussion, and it's, this is, can be more lighthearted probably, but uh, yesterday Nathan Martin posted um, – he said, deep, parentheses, not too deep, Tuesday thoughts, and it's a quote, and he said, I keep going to the river to pray, because I need something that can wash off the pain, and most, and at most, I am sleeping all these demons away, but your ghost, the ghost of you, it keeps me awake. And he asked, what verse would this be a good paraphrase of? And so, I'm going to go throw that to the three of y'all, because it is way too late, and this is going to be funny. Uh, what would that be a good paraphrase of for the three of y'all?
1: I did not comment on that post because I had no idea what he was talking about at See, all. See, I
2: didn't either, and I was hoping one of the three of us could come up with, is that, I mean, it's too long, I think, for a line from just a movie. It's got to be a song. Did he not give the answer? No, it, it's it's just there.
0: Jesus Wept.
3: Jeez. Nice. Was dude. that it? Was that it? Is that from the Allison Krauss song, I Went Down to the River to Pray?
1: No, it's not from that. Okay. That's a good song, by the way. I didn't know if it was a song that he made – if it was something he made up or if it was –
0: I'm trying to find the post.
1: Why is there pictures of
0: Vladimir Putin with no shirt on posted in the Hall of Dogma? (laughs) What? Well, (laughs) did
3: you post
1: them? What? I I,
0: think that might have been Chris Atwood. No, we can't blame Chris. It was actually Clint. Uh, Clint Epperson. But yeah. oh, Chris did post the first one, and then Clint put the second one with no shirt on. Okay. And, and then we have a picture of Thor Thrill. with Thoreal. Oh, it's
1: um, actually Ella Henderson. Thoreal. Oh, it's Thoreal, like L'Oreal Cosmetics. Um, Good job. My bad.
2: Um, I love how right, so. you just utterly avoided my question, David.
0: I'm trying to find the post. It's a hard oh, it's question. Way it, it's a hard question. Uh, yeah, Church, Church of Christ, Jones Chapel, where they're studying Christianity this Sunday. Saw that. i man young will let you take that one, buddy. This one by Tony was funny. Animal hospital next to China Chef and a dog going. That's suspicious.
2: <laughs> I think we've already covered that with you and your cat. <laughs> hey,
3: that would be yeah. funny if you're
1: not Asian. Yeah, I was, I'm, I was I'm not Asian. Like, that's that's borderline offensive, and that's that's something for me to say that. <laughs> My son's Asian Well you should ask him about that post Make sure it
3: didn't offend him He
0: was fine with it Okay I keep going to the river to pray Because I need something that can wash off the pain And and at most I'm sleeping All these demons away But your ghost, the ghost of you It keeps me awake What verse would this be a good paraphrase of Well he gave the answer he thought Acts 10
2: I know, I know what he said I'm asking the th-
0: Um Trying to start a
2: discussion, David.
0: Third Corinthians
1: four. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Know. First five verses. I'm normally pretty good at guessing games. I got nothing. Well,
2: we could have talk. it didn't seem like a per se a guessing game as much as an interpretation game. And do, so, you, do you? Do you have? Any, I need some more charismatic friends. Do you have anything, Nick? Oh no, you, I was leaning on the three of you. Uh, say, your it's the wisdom.
1: <laughs> well, that's. That, did,
2: that didn't work out real well for you. <laughs> nope, sure didn't. Sorry, Nathan. It's almost so to... night.
1: I've so that, by the things. way, it's, this is not
3: it, his 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 uh, quote. There is from the Ella Henderson song called "Ghost." If that's any help, I guess none of us are are hip enough to have known that. I don't even know I, who that is. I'm not familiar with him either.
1: Them, not him. I think it's a her, but that's right, okay. That's what I was, I was clarifying. I meant oh, are, yes. they a, are they a Christian artist? No. Okay. This, I don't believe so. <laughs> if they're not a Christian artist, that actually might be in the Bible then. So I don't know.
2: Oh, my.
3: <laughs> wow. Oh, my. Shots have been fired at every Boom. CCM artist out there that listens to the show. I'll get some hate mail from Jeanette. All
1: right. And Michael W. Smith, he's in the hall. He's offended. <laughs> I actually like Michael W. Smith.
0: I'm not sure that he is. Uh, I'm not sure that he's in the hall. Did you this see week.
1: this? Did you guys see this post yes.
2: about meetings? Yeah. Are you lonely? Tired of working on your own? Do you hate making decisions? Hold a meeting.
4: <sighs>
2: I missed that one. Oh, I thought it was a good post. Look. Too often in my, <clears> my <throat> life is all I'll say
0: the uh Chris Studdard's post this week about um the um the Church of England evangelical which by the way is that a oxymoron no it's not it's not okay uh Church of England evangelical comes out they but actually, actually reformed <laughs> uh, well then okay then it's not uh oxymoron uh, Ruth Gledhill who came out as um homosexual and um the article that he posted about her her struggles with um you know her struggles with for so many years with her temptations and then um it is kind of following a similar pattern to what we're seeing with a lot of these leaders who are either accepting of it or who are um going down that path just um not understanding the you know the 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 denial of self or the um you know the denial of uh those temptations and um uh, essentially ultimately you know God wants me to be happy and um I, you know just seeing more and more I mean more and more of that more and more leaders of that. I mean here in here in Alabama the big thing this week was the um you know gay marriage being uh being allowed for the first time, and um, you know, while I think the Christian response is probably lacking, at the same time, seeing um, Christian ministers line up to do these weddings here in Alabama, um, and, and and saying over and over, "I just want to be on the right side of history," uh, is a phrase. Yeah. I, is well, but it's that also phrase. great to watch
2: the professing Christian chief justice of the state say completely and utterly disregard the law too. So you know, that's also. Uh, Yeah,
0: well, I said it's lacking. The Christian
2: response was lacking.
3: (laughs) Hey, Emmanuel, let me ask you a question. This might be a a better discussion down the road, but I personally think it is highly offensive that uh, the homosexual movement keeps comparing their struggle to the civil
1: rights struggle. What's your take on that? The homosexual stuff, I mean, they have an agenda. And they know it's not really a, a great parallel. I mean they're tr- they wanna make themselves more oppressed than they really are. Because I hadn't seen anybody I hadn't seen fire hoses hit anybody, I hadn't seen any, you know, police dogs on anybody. You know. Uh I don't know that there's a you know, I I don't know that <laughs> I don't know that gay people are being pulled over for driving while gay. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like really nobody, <laughs> nobody, really cares that gay people exist. They just don't want you to go around redefining terms that have been the terms for thousands of years. Um, but it's 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 a I mean, it's a bad correlation that they try to draw, and people, most people know it's 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 stupid. Uh, some people don't, um, but if you're a liberal, you think being rational. So it's not, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I don't know. I saw someone this week
0: quoted. I was almost a pastor. Or someone quoted Martin Luther King and uh, one of the the civil rights leaders from the '60s. He, he he quoted Martin Luther King in in actually in opposition to the. The 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 gay movement, um, in terms of the marriage, uh, equality uh, here in Alabama. And anyway, this, this civil rights this guy was a judge and a leader in the civil rights, uh, movement. You know, he just, he came out and kind of downed him for, for quoting Martin Luther King. So, you, you, but anyway, my point was you see people on both sides of the issues who are, who are kind of pulling that, um, Trying to make the you know here in Alabama what you 're getting a lot of is people are so people are comparing the Chief Justice of the courts here in Alabama trying to stop or block gay marriage at the last minute they're they're comparing that to George Wallace standing in the schoolhouse door in Tuscaloosa to prevent a black person from becoming um, a student there, and there's all types of correlations. Um, people saying, you know, those who oppose gay marriage are on the wrong side of history, just like the people yeah. who oppose civil rights in the '60s. So, there, there, you know, there's, there's the comparisons on both sides um, that are
1: happening. Uh, yeah, and, and it, like I said, it's an emotional argument, and and unfortunately, Christians have allowed themselves to be baited into it, and we've actually helped the gay agenda because. You know the thing that made the civil rights successful is that the people saw video of people being mistreated, and that was too much for people to take. And so when you when you see Christians protesting stuff, every you know, I mean, how many how many articles? Anytime some evangel, evangelical Christian or comes out for gay marriage or as gay, somebody posts some article in the hall. I'm like, why do we care so much? Like I. I don't care if gay people get married. You know, I just don't care. I don't, like, I don't like them using the term. I don't think it's godly. But I don't understand trying to force heathens to act like Christians. I just don't get it. Um, or non-Christians, because non-Christians get married, too. People don't care about that. You know, people get divorced and remarried. People don't care about that. And, and all of a sudden, you want to say marriage is sacred. And, you know, we let Britney Spears get married. It's a backup answer, you know. <laughs> I,
3: I've wondered about the same thing, Emmanuel. I've wondered if Christians should have made, the, made marriage, quote, the battleground in, in a, the issue of homosexuality. And I think probably that was not a wise move.
1: At least not publicly. Preach what you're supposed to preach in your churches. Let people know what the Bible says. But it just. And I'm and I'm not for Christians looking bad. I don't mind looking bad in public. I'm not that guy. You, y'all know how I look. I look bad in public all the time. But but you're helping you you're helping them because you're making them look oppressed. If nobody said anything, they probably wouldn't have even you know went down that road. But the fact that you're doing it it makes them look like the Christians are trying to keep get people from getting married, and so we need to you know it. It, it was a bad strategic move if that's if you know, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I, especially since it's a state's issue, state's issue license. Um, it's not a religious, you know, the license is not a religious thing. Yeah. You know, atheists get married, Satanists get married. It's not a religious institution in the sense of the, the certificate that the, the license that the state hands out. It's just not, um, I think it's I think it's an interesting question. It's one that we,
0: you know we probably uh, have to dive into it another time. But you know it's uh, I I mean I, I've been saying for a while now. Look, this is inevitable. This is this is where this is exactly. this is where culture is going, and it's um and, and 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 look, there's a lot of guys. There's guys out there that I respect um in in Christian community, and you know maybe Russell Moore. Uh, Al Mohler, those kind of guys who would pop to mind who who really feel like this is um, you know something worth speaking out against and uh, and you know part of me I think um, you know part of me I think well yeah it's always you know God's kingdom and and the more that that we could follow. His kingdom, even in in culture, the better, but then there's another part of me that just knows that's not going to happen. this is going to be you know it's going to be like the days of Noah in increasing measure as we near the end um, so how much does that mean that you know i our response, I mean, I, I, you go back to the New Testament, and, and and what we're pointed to do is make disciples and preach the gospel. And uh, I don't, I don't know. I've always questioned how much you see in the New Testament of responsibility that we had, we have to try to, um, you know, bring Jesus in the government.
1: Um, well, you, we vote. <laughs>
0: yeah. You
1: know, you vote, and that's it. You know, and and. And lately, like said, Christians, and it's part of it, it's the internet. You know, Christians just rail against everything. So one week is yoga pants, and the next week it's Fifty Shades of Grey, and the next week is gay marriage, and then it's just kind of this rotating thing. Uh, then it's Game of Thrones. It's like, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't promote holiness, but it just comes across as just being very, uh I don't know what the word is. It, it, moralistic. It, it, moralistic. Um,
2: just a callback. Just
1: uh, Yeah. How about you just try to improve your marriage and treat your wife like Christ <laughs> treats the church, instead of worrying about who else is getting married. You know. Yeah. Start with that.
0: Yeah, I saw a um, I saw a thing uh, on Twitter this week, um, and it was a retweet actually by a uh, Bean, our friend Bean at Adhesive Wombat, and I think he was actually. Retweeting someone from I don't remember if it was the New York Post or who it was, but they gave a little graphic, and it showed, um, of course, Alabama being the you know right now trying to uh, deal with this issue in terms of gay marriage, and but it also showed that Alabama ranked like third in pre-ticket sales for Fifty Shades of Grey, and so you know kind of his point was <laughs> the the state that doesn't won't gay marriage is the state that ranks almost at the top in terms of um those who are about to go see 50 shades of gray so uh you know and and hypocrisy doesn't nullify truth just because you can point it out doesn't mean that that truth isn't there um or that truth is relative but i said it last week with the 50 shades of gray argument uh you know I, i just don't know what our role is to yell at the culture um you know why tell the culture they shouldn't go see Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah. Uh, you know we don't I mean, tell
3: the culture that. I think we exhort the fellow believers. Yes, yes,
0: which is what I said last week. I, I do think there is an exhortation to the church in that in that way, um, and, and you know I said that last week on the show. Um, and I, I think church wise, I think there is a place. When a person, for example, the pastor, was it in Tennessee, that came out and said, okay, their church is now going to support um, homosexuality, that he uh, he had had the epiphany and his views had changed on it. Now, I think that's an issue. I think that's one that we should speak out against because that is a person who claims to be a believer… And 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 they are in the church, and I think there is exhortation and rebukes that need to go that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that's where our aim should be more than yelling at the culture. I don't like it. I'm not. I'm not saying that I like it, but yeah, we're not, we're not supposed. Point. We're not supposed to
3: like it. We're I, not calling the culture to to be good. Yeah, we're pointing them to
1: Jesus.
0: Well, we're supposed to be right. Well, I mean that's <laughs> the
1: ideally. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I just want to yell at Christians. Christians, non-believers are going to act like non-believers. Yeah. And yeah. trying to get them to act like Christians is not going to work without yeah. Christ. We have enough trouble getting Christians to act like
0: Christians. We don't need to yeah. get uh, And And I think that's where our, our focus should be. So, um, Well, hey, Nick, we kind of hijacked your segment. Are you – you still with us? What? <laughs> hey, I'm going to give you the lead off on the, the the final segment here is a question coming from Richie Devotee. Uh-oh. Richie Devotee on Twitter, at rdevotee, and, and he is also in the Hall of Dogma, which is, by the way, the Hall Monitor segment. I don't know if, if we explain that, but uh, – As we mentioned earlier, just the Hall of Dogbone Facebook, the place to discuss theology in a very respectful and and, uh, funny manner. At any moment, you may be discussing um, uh, Calvinism versus Arminianism, the latest issue in in, um, the uh, homosexual – marriage movement or the next Marvel movie with Spider-Man, uh, and other Marvel characters. So. Or watching next a video Marvel of a bunch movie. of guys barfing. <laughs> That's true. I did. I did not watch that video. No. It
3: was, it was something. It was something. Are you talking about Chris Atwood's video. I, uh, I, I, did, am not, I, I did not need to see that. No, and they, by, were, they were straight up barfing. It was not fake.
0: Chris Atwood is the, uh, I don't know if Emmanuel gives out all the names in the Hall of Dogma and Emmanuel, I don't know if you've given Chris Atwood one or not, but I refer to him as the King of Memes because he is uh, like the, the dude has a collection or he is a meme generator like no one's business. Now I think Jeff Hendricks and a couple other guys may take a, may take offense to being him being called the King of Memes because they also enjoy uh, making some, but, but Chris is hard Chris is hard to top. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, Nick, were you going to
2: correct me on my Marvel movie um, statement? I, th- I think after the video posted of you in the hall this week, people just know you're wrong when it comes to comic book movies, so I don't know that I have to correct you. Yeah. And I posted it.
1: He so. gave Guardians of the Galaxy three spoons.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Kevin gave it six, so I mean that yeah. – <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin gave it six out of five,
0: so <laughs> – Man, it just wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't all that great to me. I. It, it just. It, it look. It had a little bit of a Star Wars feel to it. And I. But I'm you probably, like God's Not Dead. I do like God's Not Dead. Which you haven't even watched yet. Because I value my time. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, even my kids know you hate God's Not Dead. I mean, they listen. They're like, Mister Emanuel wouldn't like this like as we right as we watch it for the 32nd time so
1: i like quality (laughs) entertainment and if i you know i just god's not dead facing the giants it's like somebody with their cell phone camera you know making a movie it's bad (laughs) oh gosh wow God's not dead it's not that bad as far as the production value (laughs) but it's just cheesy
0: i keep seeing the um i keep seeing the uh the there's a there's an advertisement on Facebook that says from the makers of God's Not Dead and they're promoting the next movie and I I just every time I see it I think of Emmanuel and his that one has uh,
1: Brian Bosworth in it it actually looks decent
0: okay so you may see it even though you won't see So here's the
1: not problem dead. with that with the with the tra- with the trailer it's going it's the trailer is like a minute long it's going well and then I won't I won't call him a name then this guy says if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict? And I was like, that's why I don't watch Christian movies. <laughs> that right there. Like, really? That, that's a little trite. But hey. raise
2: your hand if you've been in a sermon when somebody said that.
1: Yeah, in
3: 1989. What? What? <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> before the Protestant Reformation, maybe.
0: <laughs> exactly. It's like, Emmanuel, I have a question for you. If I invited you over to the house and – and I had a six pack of your favorite beverages. Would you watch God's Not Dead in my living room? Would your kids be present? Because I don't want them to hear the language. No, I'm gonna. No, I was gonna actually live tweet whatever you say oh, throughout
2: my. the movie. You'd have to do it from my account because you wouldn't be willing to post some of those words on yours. I think it would be hilarious.
1: I would, I would be willing to try, but, but but the beverages would have to be there. There's No way I'm watching that sober. I, I have to have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take the edge, y'all. <coughs> All, right,
2: Richie, All right, next topic is Richie okay Devoti. hopes to be
1: drunk while watching movies, or I I'm writing that. I've only been talking. drunk twice in my entire life, but God's Night dead might <laughs> might drive me to uh, might bring you to there. Yeah, it might it might make me overindulge.
0: All right, Richie Devotee. From Twitter at our devotee, and also he is big in the uh, Hall of Dogma as well. he tweeted to us a couple of weeks ago and said, "I would love to hear an episode that focuses on addictions and how to break them. so we only have about ten minutes or so guys left in the show tonight, but um, just kind of uh, answering richie's questions so when you when you deal with um, addictions and uh, you know either maybe these are addictions that that you've brought into your walk with Christ or um, just addictions that that pop up. Um I, I I had a um a long-standing battle with pornography. Uh, I would definitely say that was an addiction of mine for quite a few years. Um, a decade actually. And so uh you know, I've experienced that just kind of going around round table little discussion what kind of Counsel? Would you give to someone who um, finds themselves with a stronghold um, that that just very hard for them to break away from?
2: Um, I would. I would first tell people to double down on the word um, and, and the the. You know, it, different addictions are different different things. Uh, you know, David, you mentioned with with pornography being an addiction of the mind. The problem is and I'm not trying to be crass when I say this but for most people there's also a physiological component that goes along with pornography and um, the fact of the matter is there becomes it's stimuli that generates things in the body that the body craves no different than an alcoholic, a drug addict, things like that and so you know I'm I'm a kooky guy that believes there is a um, the spiritual and the, and the physical is, is directly intertwined and um i think sometimes we uh medicate away the spiritual and so i think um basically you do the reverse of that where you you pour in as much word as you can in in a way to sort of feed the spirit um you kind of devote yourself to prayer and um practically you know and, and i know we were talking about the um you know the reward system of behavior before but you know it it it's an issue of self discipline where it's it's something that has to um you know for most people and I and I'm very weir- well aware of people that have those you know um Damascus road experiences where they go to an altar and they they walk away never craving you know name your favorite drug again um but I also know a lot of people that addiction is a long hard road um to recovery and um By God's grace, I think there are a lot of churches that um, have good programs that um, combine our need for a Savior and our reliance upon Him with with some practical steps to kind of build back your self-discipline, put you around some people that will stand beside you um, in an accountability way, not to judge you, but to kind of go, hey, I'm in this hole with you and I know the way out kind of thing, so.
0: That's good. That's good. Emmanuel, what are your, what are some thoughts you have? I know you're a counselor by trade and so you deal with a lot of uh, people that have addictions. I'm sure you've never had any of your own, but uh, what, um, what kind of, what kind of advice and counsel do you have on this subject?
1: Well, you know, I, you know, I don't really counsel addicts. Um, I do, I do do some work at a, um, at a, a Christian rehab and, but I usually treat addictions just like like any other sin. I don't really single addiction out as like some kind of special sin that's different from all the other ones and and so I just kind of apply you know the gospel and you know the just basically uh biblical principles to it like uh first of all you have to have a a, a good theology of sin, you know. Uh what is sin? Um what does it do? Um, how, how, how does it deceive us? Um, sin is deceitful and it's habitual. It, it, it forms a habit. Um, so a good, the, a good theology of sin. Um, not only that, but obviously repentance, uh, turning away from it, um, confession, uh, confessing to God and other people. Um, because sin grows in isolation. So you need to make sure that you're confessing with other, to other believers. Um, not only that, but, but also you have to have a relationship with the other believers. So it's grace, fear relationship. So a community, um, it could be, it could be a recovery group, but it could be a, just a, it could be a small group. It could be a church in general but grace filled relationships relationships where you're allowed to be imperfect and loved anyway um are very powerful especially because people who have addictions usually have a lot of guilt to go along with them because they're they feel guilty that they can't stop on their own um like i said i treat it like sin we can't stop sinning on our own it's only by you know uh by the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, that we even, you know, <laughs> are as miserable as we are now, but not as miserable as we used to be. Um, so, repentance, confession, grace filled relationships, um, merciful relationships. You who are spiritual, restore, uh, restore, you know, the brother in a, in a spirit of gentleness. Um, and also, you know, understand. Uh, What the Bible teaches about temptation, James one. It's a scripture I always go back to. James chapter one verse fourteen. Each person is tempted when he is lured away by and enticed by his own desire. And desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. And there's you know that's the cycle. Um, So understand the nature of temptation. Have a good theology of suffering. Um, which is also part of the gospel, First uh, Peter four one. Since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same type of suffering, or some versions say the same type of thinking. Um, he who has suffered in the flesh is finished with sin. And so not giving your flesh what it wants is suffering, um, but that is the only way that you are going to, you know, obviously uh, break some kind of habitual sin. Um, and just really, really, really focus on freedom in Christ and uh, self-control through the Holy Spirit. Um, I think Christians have an edge, uh, if I could use that, an advantage in the fact that the fruit of the Spirit is is self-control. And and I believe that that applies to um, uh, dependency and, and addiction as well. So I, I treat it just like any other sin issue. Just apply the Bible to it. Um, I don't think it's a necessarily a special issue, different than anything else.
0: I, I want to ask you, Chase, um want go to you for your remarks, but but real quick, Emmanuel, because I think it's interesting. Do you think there's a danger in using the word addictions rather than calling it sin like in in, in – you know, making a distinction there. Do you think there's a just because when you were saying that, I was just thinking. You know, it's, it's it's kind of a good point that maybe there's this, maybe there's just kind of this um, thought process with addiction is not like it's an excuse, but you know, sometimes. Um, yeah. I mean, I've heard people say before. Well, you know, I, I'm an addict. My dad was an addict. My grandfather was an addict. Almost kind of like I'm resigned to that. I, I have yeah. to be this way. Is 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 that the danger in using that word
1: over? No, I don't like the word addict because I don't, I don't, I don't think Christians should confess themselves as anything other than a child of God. Um, so I don't like the word addict. I don't mind addictions. A lot of Christian uh, counselors, um, Ed Welch, he likes the word enslaved because it's you know because it's in, you know Paul talks about I want not be enslaved to anything. And so, so I don't know how popular that term is, but. Um, but if people don 't like the addiction term enslaved is very is a very uh, apt description of uh, addiction um, see an,
0: enslaved carries with it a different connotation to me than addiction like a, again it's kinda like, yeah. know, it 's kind of like
1: it actually sounds worse than, than well that 's what
0: i 'm saying it almost sounds like oh wow and you know, when you but say it, that oh, I'm a, yeah I'm addicted I, I'm addicted to coffee but if you were if you were to change that out and go I'm enslaved to coffee well man that carries a different picture to it for me uh um, yeah
1: because you because you have to see the the uh, evil of sin you have to see how bad it is you know I do think that's so terms may matter you know um enslaved does hit hit a lot harder than addiction because we've kind of got used to hearing addiction um, so
3: Chase what are your thoughts Well, I you know, I went through a pornography struggle of my own stretched out for years and years and one of the keys I think uh for overcoming for me was was accountability and, and I don't necessarily mean some kind of Structured 12 step kind of thing. I mean, I mean something deeper and richer than that. Uh, um, Hebrews 3 12 and 13 it has this uh, exhortation in it. Uh, the, the writer says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And, and I think if you take that verse literally, and you have to, it, it, there, it, there is a call in Scripture that you can find other places to, to that says that we are to daily walk with each other so closely that that we're in this kind of exhortive relationship. And I, I looked up that word, uh, exhort each other daily. I looked up the word "exhort," and it's it's a, the Greek word "parakaleo," which which is this a very similar word used for the Holy Spirit. It's somebody who walks beside somebody else. And I think what we have in Christianity today is 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 relationships that aren't deep enough, that aren't rich enough, that aren't close enough. And so I think it's provided fertile ground in absence of daily exhorting each other it's provided fertile ground for these kind of sin struggles secret sin struggles that sort of thing because we're not programmed we're not wired in the body of christ to be separate from each other we're not wired to not daily walk w- beside each other you know even think about the hebrews 10 exhortation we're supposed to consider how to stir us each other up to love and good works uh Encouraging each other all the more as we see the, the, the day of the Lord approaching. And, and I don't know that we take that seriously enough. And, and I think it's, it, again, it, it leads to breeding ground for secret sins, for enslavement, that sort of thing, when we try to run the race by ourselves.
0: I, I got a, a good friend of mine who we were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying he He was talking about confession and how he had he had kind of come to a place at his li- in his life right now where he he saw um this great benefit like victory in some of his struggles through confession uh through confessing to um a christian brother or um you know, someone close to him, even his wife, I mean, just confessing through things that he was actually seeing victory. And um, when he when he wasn't engaging in confession, um, not seeing that as much. So I think what you guys are saying and, and, and what Emmanuel was saying about the, as well, along those same lines, those grace-filled relationships, you know, is important. Um, you know, I, I think I think the thing that I would say to someone struggling with addictions is just pointing out the hope um that is there. I think that when you sometimes when you find yourself struggling with the same thing over and over and over again, and maybe you know I know for me with pornography it's it would seem like I would get get victory so to speak or i'd I'd mm-hmm. come to a good place and and then you know, all of a sudden out of the blue, I'd fall right back in. And what I always found is that when I when I had some victory and then fell backwards, it was always really hard. Like I always it, it seemed like you sunk a little further down because it you just had this feeling like, I mean, I'm never going to be able to have full victory there. But but I think in in you know, I think that's the message we have to have is no in, in Christ. As Emmanuel said, freedom in Christ. In Christ, there there can be victory. Proverbs talks about a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets back up. You know, you just have to keep going. Uh, my wife and I have the opportunity to teach some parenting classes to to what are called at risk families. And one of the classes we deal with generational curses. One of the things that I always take them through is. That, yeah, you may hear this generational curse, so maybe you're dealing with something that your parents did or your grandparents did. But when people think of a curse, they think of something that's not able to be broken. Yet the Bible says that anyone who hung on a cross is cursed. Christ became a curse for us. So Christ broke any curse over us in in sin on the cross. So it, it can be... You know, you can see victory there; it can be overcome. But I think all of the advice that's been given by these guys—that's the kind of thing that's got to be put into play. And um, to, and and that victory—it may—it may truly be a battle that wages for a while, but you mm-hmm. keep waging the battle, and eventually, victory in Christ will come. Yeah. So. Anything else to add there, guys? We appreciate Richie uh, Devotee um, sending in that question, and um, we love getting the uh, feedback on Twitter and Hall of Dogmas. So if you, have, if you have a topic or have a question you'd like for us to cover on one of the shows, send that in and let us know, and we will we will do our best to work it in. You know, unless it's just not a good topic. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, I'll say I, that,
1: we, that out loud, David. Oh, yeah. my bad! Wow, my bad. Well, so, had one thing. Um, I, I just add that that also the Bible talks about controlling your thought life. Don't let thoughts have free reign in your head. You know, take every thought captive mm-hmm. uh, and, and make it submit to Christ. Um, that's also a part of it. You can't just let thoughts just have free reign in your head. You have to uh, to uh, get them out of there. I'm into that. Good word, good word, good word indeed.
2: Well, if you do have a story or something like that that you want David to uh, shoot down, and me and Chase will kindly uh, bring it back to bear for you. A um, couple of different ways to do that. Obviously, Twitter. Where um, Richie brought this to us at My Gospel Friends. Um, We've also got the Hall of Dogma. Um, Definitely try to to utilize uh, that forum there. We've got an email address, thegospelfriends at gmail.com. We've also got voicemail set up, 205-575-9735, if you're in the U.S. or uh, long distance is an issue. If long distance is an issue or you're just um, an Internet guy like us, you can leave us a voicemail on speakpipe, speakpipe.com slash thegospelfriends. Quick thanks to Sean Lombard for our intro music. Uh, Jeff Hendricks at Funky Stickman on Twitter for our outro music um, uh, I've been enjoying that and um, I think that's all unless anybody else has a closing thought Chase? Nope. Bedtime Emmanuel?
1: Gay shouldn't get married women shouldn't wear yoga pants and Christians should not go see Fifty Shades of Grey
2: That's, right. that's, that's I, I, good wisdom that off, I thought I was going to have to edit that all right. um, I haven't
1: heard that one
0: before <laughs>
2: Yeah. All right, we've got so many actually, good show I'm okay times. with all
1: three of those things. But,
2: no. <laughs> um, all right, well with that, I will say, tune in next time when you might hear David say, "You know what? It's late, but uh, I still got time to go watch God's Not Dead." <laughs> <laughs> good times.
4: Jesus is a Jesus is a friend of mine.